Hi, and welcome to the Temple Podcast. I'm Edward Pike. I'm the founder of the Temple. And we're here to, to really explore what it truly means to be human. In this podcast, we explore the various temples of humanity, our homes, our relationships, our bodies, our practices, and even our businesses. Every episode is dedicated to one guest, a changemaker, a creative, a healer, leader, teacher, or entrepreneur. And over the conversation, we explore their work, their journeys, and what helps them continue to be of profound service to the world. So in this episode, I'm with my partner, Rob Sykes, and we get to speak to Andrew Hall, who is a yoga and meditation teacher based in Thailand. So we discovered Andrew through, um, through some videos that he shares on his uh, yoga channel, on his YouTube channel called Refeel Yoga. And I personally was really blown away by the authenticity and the depth that he teaches with. Uh, he's very comfortable, I would say, in his, in his skin, in his way of being, in his way of teaching. And it was so inspiring that we decided to reach out to him and to invite him to be a guest on this podcast. And it provided a wonderful conversation, as you'll see, about a few different topics. And the main theme of, of this podcast really is how mastery of our work and our authenticity are so deeply intertwined and interconnected and how our uniqueness and our authenticity are really profound keys to connecting with more clients, to connecting with those that we're really here to serve. So before you dive into the podcast, I also just want to remind you of our wonderful Temple membership. So there are four different options that you can choose from starting at a dollar a month. And this is a way, a way to really receive deeper support from myself and, and the team of the Temple and also from, from our contributors. Every week we share a new practice, may it be meditation, a movement practice, even some sound baths. You also get access to the campfire, which is our online group space where we share our stories, we connect, we uh, exchange with one another. And then there's also the opportunity to join uh, our monthly temple session, which is a 90-minute online session in which we connect and we, we run through uh, an experiential uh, on a specific theme that we're exploring. So if you want any more information and to sign up, you just go to thetemple.love slash membership. But for now, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful. Hi, Andrew. <laughs> Hi, Andrew. Hey, guys. Good to see you. All the way from Thailand. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to, good to see you. Um, just uh, 
to frame for the people who are listening, how we met was, it was Rob looking through Kundalini yoga videos online and we started doing your 10 day challenge. And that's how we kind of connected and we reach out to you and here we go. Yeah. Hey, did you finish the challenge now? Yep. Yep. Yeah, finished yeah. it a couple of how was two, it? two or three right. days ago. It was amazing. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, yeah, good. Yeah, it was good. a good journey. The the biggest impact I feel was a real awakening or subtle, but also quite profound of a of I guess the personal power of like part of me is a bit ability to kind of to choose or to have direction and to kind of say you know to have that a clarity which came through. I think through the practice, yeah. Beautiful, yeah. It's uh, it's really aiming to to build this this power and this determination, and, and also get in touch with that flow of energy. So mm. yeah, it was a beautiful journey for me too to host this. I know you want to take the conversation in another direction, but uh, I, I tell you, this uh, experience was very touching for me because this was the first time. You know, my YouTube channel has been growing. But this yeah. was the first time when I really felt there was a, a community building around it. Yeah. Doing this challenge with people online every day for 10 days and, and getting their feedback and hearing their stories. And I actually had quite a few people sending me video testimonials. Mm. Um, I made a short compilation of them. I don't know if you saw this video, but no. uh, it was. You, you should check it out. It's only, yeah. it's, I really condensed it. It was only three minutes, but uh, it was so touching to me to hear these people's different stories and different experiences. You know, people were going through uh, fear and anxiety and, and, and frustration and anger and then coming out with, with bliss and, and acceptance. And, uh, you know, it was really like, I called it raise your vibration. And I, cause that's what the practice does. But I, I never thought that I would be able to, through the medium of, of YouTube, this digital thing, be able to touch so reach so many people in this way. Uh, so yeah, it was I was so I was overjoyed by the, the result of this practice. Mm. Is that the first time you did something like that online for ten days? Yeah, it was the first time I did did a challenge like this. Yeah. All my other classes were I did some you know some lecture kind of classes introducing different things from yogic philosophy, but most of them were were practices uh, like you said. I, I do a lot of Kundalini videos, mm. um, and that's what's the most well-received. And most people that do Kundalini yoga, they do um, Yogi Bhajan style of Kundalini yoga, uh, maybe don't do this type of practice so much, but it actually is a, this Uriyana Banda, but it actually is a very powerful Kundalini practice. And like you said, really helping you to tap into your power and yeah. to lift that energy up. Yeah. Is, is there something about Kundalini yoga that lends itself to to be online as a, to be taught online as opposed to other types of yoga because like um like with other forms of yoga as a, as a teacher you're kind of probably more going around and adjusting postures and correcting people but i guess with kundalini is that less so is it easier just to speak to the camera and let people kind of do the practice or exercises there is definitely a quality uh, of this that I that I agree with, um, because a lot of it is moving and breathing, you know, and it doesn't really matter if you have alignment and, and you're perfect, uh, so long as you're being present with yourself and, and aware of your movement and aware of your breath, the 
action should be should be safe, you know. So it, it's not like I need to go around and adjust someone's hips. I'm not this type of teacher anyway. If you come to my class, I let you do the pose how you feel is the pose. I, I don't really um, like to move people's bodies unless it's something that I know is unhealthy or unsafe. But no, personally, you know what? It was this was how I started my journey was was through some videos of, of Kundalini online. Um, I, I did some other yoga videos, but there was a couple of Kundalini videos that I did online and uh, I just got me so into it. It got me motivated. It was really nice. I was a very um, fiery kind of guy. I'm an Aries astrologically. So I was spending hours on the bike and going to the gym. And when I started doing these really dynamic practices and breathing, I, I just really enjoyed it. So I think because that's where I started it's also quite natural for me to uh, give it back in this way. Mm. It's, it's working. It's so funny. The one video I have on YouTube, it's kind of the, the leader of my, my channel. It's a very simple, uh, it's only a 30 minute video, but it's the first one that I did. <laughs> and then I reshared this sequence. And I guess because I practiced it for so many years, I'm so familiar with it. I've had so many people saying like, this is the best version of this Kriya I found online. You know, like you're so clear, you're so this, and it's because I've got seven years of doing the same practice. Then when I gave it back, it's, it's, uh, people got from it what I got from it, I suppose. Because that's something I really got, and I've shared this with you before, I really get from your style of teaching that it's, it's so accessible, but it is, it does come with so much depth. It comes from, it comes from that, that kind of sweet spot of someone who really, you know, you can feel your expertise, you can feel, your care, you can feel your the wisdom, you know, and it's, it just comes through in, in a simple way, in a very accessible way. And that is so, that's just really exciting as an exploration. Like how, how did you get to that? Is it something that you, has come naturally to you or is it something that's been layered over years? What's, yeah, I'm curious to hear more about that. Um, yeah, I, somehow it was always in my nature to be a, a teacher. I think like if, if I look back to when I was young and when I was in school, there was this quality of me that was um, kind of regurgitating information, taking it in, digesting it and giving it back in an accessible way. Um, there was quite often times when I was in class and a teacher would say, is there any questions? And I, I didn't have any questions because I would understand the concept, but I could see around this class that there's some people like, that didn't get it, but were hesitant to ask. You know, there was this shyness or insecurity or something. So I would always just ask the question just because I knew that it needed to be explained to people around. So I, I suppose I had this kind of intuition or, or empathy or whatever to feel when someone needed it in another form. Um, so that, that's just a natural quality of me anyway, the, the teaching ability. Uh, when it comes to this type of practice, it really took me a long time to get to the point where I'm teaching the way I am now. Um, for a long time, I felt like I was just parroting other teachers. You know, I was just repeating or, or teaching the same style or doing it the way that I had it had been taught to me. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> at, at this point now, I've had many different teachers and I've, I've, I've found many different resources. And something happened just in the last couple of years where something switched and it's like, no, you know what? I'm going to give it back this way. And I noticed a big thing shifted in my students when that happened is that I'm no longer trying to teach what I think they want. 
I'm no longer trying to teach what I heard from them. I'm just teaching from my own experience. And all of a sudden I, I realized this is when it's received because now it's, it's more authentic. I'm not trying to please someone. I'm not trying to impress someone. I'm just giving what is working for me. Mm. And I think this is, I think really now that I say these words, I think this is the key for everyone you know, to really succeed in life is give what's authentic for you. Yeah. That's really profound. Yeah. That's really, that's really profound. And it's, it's, um, yeah, a very profound wisdom and very important also for even this, uh, the podcast and the temple, because of the, one of the overarching themes, especially in the podcast is speaking to people who are being of service, you know, to the world in whatever way, shape or form they might take, you know, doing yoga, being an entrepreneur and selling products or, but there's, you know, um, we had people who were building like a responsible van life community, you know, all sorts of, all walks of life. And there's such a, uh, um, there's, a, there's something so profound when people really find that thing, like you say, that authentic voice, that authentic way of being of service, which comes from what you're saying, from like a, a whole lineage of like, you know, experience and training. And then but you're the only person that can teach it the way that you teach it. That is really exactly. profound. Mm. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's the case for everyone. You know, it's, it's, it's taking this moment to, for example, you know, since this uh, time has happened and everyone's kind of gone indoors, I've had a lot of people reaching out to me on the island that I'm living with and a few over, over the internet as well uh, regarding Facebook, uh, regard, sorry, regarding YouTube because they see that I've had this channel going for a year now and they want some information. Maybe they want to learn how to video edit. And what I tell to them all is I say, you know, it's, you can look at what the other people do, but it doesn't matter. Especially, I see it on YouTube, but I see it a lot in the world is we, now we're driven or we're really attracted to authenticity because it makes us feel something inside. You know, I see the people, I, I watch some people on, on YouTube just that are really, killing it, you know, they're not doing yoga, they're doing other silly things. But what I see the people that really make it in this world today like this, is they're just being themselves, you know? So for some people, that is the salesman. Hey, come check this out. You're going to buy this. It's going to be really nice. <laughs> you know, for some people, it's, it's being really soft and sweet. Mm. And, and, you know, for other people, it's like, oh, everybody has their own true nature. You know, and you can tell we have this radar for these days. We don't want actors. We don't want salesmen unless that's who you are. You know, so when people are trying to fake it and they're trying to give you something from, I don't know, an uh, unnatural place from, from greed or from trying to impress you, we don't like that anymore. You know, so the, the, the big thing to, to going on this world right now is this authenticity, mm. I think. There's also, I guess that comes with the authenticity comes from experience as well, because when you're, say, a newly qualified practitioner, you can sometimes, I'm speaking from my own perspective and my own experience here, as a, as a newly qualified practitioner, you do quite often you regurgitate what you've been taught in the way it's been taught to you. Uh, and there's a kind of confidence thing that, you know, even in, even when you're kind of newly qualified, there's that kind of inner voice sometimes that's kind of like I'm faking it. I'm not, you know, I'm not kind of, <laughs> you know, I've got this certification, I've got a qualification, but I've only just started. Therefore, you know, 
Um, so I, th I think that whole thing about being authentic comes with experience when you grow into yourself and you, you know, when you grow into your own call, when your confidence arises with what it is that you're teaching, you're able to be, the authenticity shines through over time. 100%. I, I agree 100%. And of course, when we're, when we're learning something new or we're developing, like, like I said, up until just uh, maybe two, three years ago, I, I had this. I felt like I was just repeating, just mimicking. Um, but there is, there's a certain gestation period where we, we take all this information in and we, and we work through it. And, you know, some of it resonates with us and we keep it and some of it doesn't. But for a while, yeah, you're just like, it's not me talking. This guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. It's all these different voices, and they're coming through with my uh, with my tones, but they're not mine. But at a certain point, you know what really sticks is that which is really experienced through me, and I, I, I've made it my own. You know, and, and you, I'm sure you, with your uh, system, you make it your own, and then it becomes. You know, and people feel that. People feel that difference. That's what this mastery is of uh, accomplishment. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, can you take us back to your your journey? I mean, I, I'm not sure that we've even introduced you properly, or you've, we've asked you to introduce yourself. So <laughs> maybe just share with us who you are, what you do, and 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 a little bit about your journey. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, we got uh, we got off topic very fast, but that's okay. Um, so my name's Andrew. Is also the topic of this podcast. We got straight into it without introducing you. Yeah, <laughs> intuition guided us. Guys. Yeah, it's beautiful. Very nice. Uh, beautiful. Um, so yeah, my name's Andrew. Uh, Andrew Hall. I'm from Canada, originally from a small town in British Columbia, a little mountain town. So I'm a small mountain town kind of boy. Um, <clears throat> I'm 31 years old. These are the things that I, I don't say very often because they're when we get going to the yogic stuff, it's, it's it doesn't mean anything. But so you know, that's where I come from and that's my age. Uh, right now, I'm a yoga teacher. Uh, I guess that's the the best title for me. There's all these different titles. Uh, I, I'm not a guru. I'm not an enlightened being trying to tell you how to live your life. I'm just someone who enjoys yoga and wants to share it with people. Uh, I'm someone who who's found it as a profound tool for making my experience in this life better. It um, doesn't mean it's always great, but it's working for me. I, I also can't say it's the only way. I say it for me. Um, so I've been teaching yoga for about seven years now, maybe eight. And I get all confused with years sometimes. But... I started with yoga because I know you guys asked me this last time and it's it's funny to say I, I first my first introduction to yoga was on the Nintendo Wii Fit uh, it's a video game that my one of my girlfriends had um, where it was kind of a sports game anyway it had it, it was a it had this balance board that you would stand on or you would jump on or you would do all push-ups on whatever and there was one level in this game that was yoga and I remember I tried this and uh, I had to do a uh, rikshasana, the tree pose. You stand in the tree pose. So you stand on one leg with one hip open to the side. And I had to balance this little red dot on the screen. It was moving back and forth along the center line. 
And uh, I was like, wow, it was really difficult just to stand on one leg and, and be very steady. And me, with the type of mind I had, I, I was fascinated by it. I was like, I'm, I need to master this. You know, I need to. So I went home and I practiced standing on one leg. I'd like drink my tea in the morning standing on one leg I, it, until I could stand on one leg for five minutes. And uh, this was what put yoga in the back of my mind. Uh, somehow it, it, it felt familiar. I was like, yoga, hi. I've heard about it somewhere. What is it? Yoga, yoga. Um, so I went online and I downloaded this uh, video. It was like 15, 17 minute yoga video, sort of vinyasa, um, few, few standing poses. And what really got me was near the end, we did, uh, it's called halasana, the plow pose. So you're kind of laying down on your back, on your shoulders. You lift the legs up over the head and you try to touch the toes to the floor behind your head. Essentially, it's an upside down forward pose. Um, but I did this pose, which was like the deepest stretch for my spine I've ever felt. And I came out of the pose into lying flat on my back, Shavasana. And my whole body just pulsed and vibrated with this euphoric sensation. I was like, oh, oh my God, it was amazing. <laughs> was, uh, was such, I, I couldn't believe how good I felt just from stretching my back. Um, but this was really nice. Anyway, I memorized this sequence from the video and I would like practice it on my own. And I, I would like practice it out in the, on the grass and in the backyard. And one day I was telling a girl that I worked with that I'd been doing this uh, practice in my backyard. And she's like, oh, you do yoga? That's so cool. A guy that does yoga, apparently not as many guys or we're doing yoga um she said you should come to the gym with me because i do yoga and me i was really attracted to this girl she's a little bit older than me very beautiful woman I said, yeah okay i'll come to the gym with you uh so i went to the gym with her i ended up buying this gym pass just so i could spend time with her and uh we had a little bit of a relationship for a few months and, and then that ended but uh, my relationship with yoga has been very strong ever since um it's very funny because I would go to this class. Now, nowadays, I might not even call it a yoga class because it was very fitness oriented. It was at a gym. There was mirrors all around. And it was, they called it, um, I think it was just called flow, something like this. It wasn't even called yoga. But it was a, it was a combination of something like uh, vinyasa yoga, uh, tai chi, and pilates. So we'd open the class with these kind of opening tai chi-like movements. And we'd go into some sun salutations do some crazy core work in the middle and then you know, relax in Shavasana. It was very nice, very suiting to what I needed. You know, like I said, I was this fiery guy. So all of these things were perfect for me. And uh, I would stand right at the front left corner of the room, right at the corner because there was mirror, a mirror wall in front of me and a mirror wall to the side. And I would just like stare at myself in the mirror like I'm going to get this perfect. I'm going to get every posture perfect, every angle. And uh, I was really like, I was really fixated on it. Now my understanding of yoga is a bit different. I don't think it's that important, but uh, at the time this was my, my big focus. And I remember one day I was telling my friends, oh yeah, you know, I, I keep going to this yoga class, it's amazing. And one friend was like, man, you only go for the women. And I said, what, what do you mean I go for the women? He said, there's hot women do yoga. I said, I don't know. Like I, I and I went the next day and I looked in the room and I realized there's 40 people in the room. There was me and one other guy at the back of the class. And it was, it was all women. 
And uh, it, I, I, I had to laugh to myself because I'd never even noticed. I'd spent so much time <laughs> being a narcissist and focusing on myself in the mirror that I hadn't even noticed uh, what was going on around me. I've just seen the teacher and, you know, what, what I was um, But that was kind of how I got into yoga prior to, that was how I got into this form of fitness, let's say. Prior to that, I was really into fitness. Um, I, I, was, I would go to the gym, I would study nutrition. I was really interested in, in, in different uh, healthy things. And one of my ideas was I could be a personal trainer. Um, I was actually studying chemistry and physics in college. It was nothing to do with health or nutrition necessarily. But I always thought as a backup, I could do this, uh, be, a, be a personal trainer or a fitness instructor or something. Because in my mind, it was like a, a way to guarantee that my lifestyle would be healthy. You know, it's like if I have to tell other people how to be healthy by default, I have to, you know, be the role model. So it was a bit of a, a cheat to make sure that I was in a, in a healthy lifestyle. Um, but when I started to do all of this yoga and be introduced to yoga, uh, it got in the back of my mind, instead of this fitness instructor, I thought, oh, maybe I can be a yoga teacher because then I'd be healthy too, for sure. And this is nice. And uh, I remember I looked online for a teacher training course. And I found one in Hawaii. I'm from Canada, so Hawaii is kind of close. <clears throat> anyway, I think it was something like, $5,000. I don't know if it was US or anyway, I was in college, $5,000 was a lot of money for me. And I thought it's, it's not going to happen. Not now, maybe not in Hawaii. Uh, but the program for this course came with a recommended reading list. And there was a, like five or six different books that was recommended to read before you come. So I went on Amazon and I ordered all these books. I thought at least I'll read about what it is to be a yoga teacher. And uh, there was a few really good books. Um, one was called Yoga Sequencing by, I think it was Mark Stevens. I don't have this bibliographical mind, so I, I'm not very good with authors and, and these things, so I apologize for that. But this was about how to make the class and, and how to organize. So it really helped me to understand, you know, with this vinyasa type of yoga, how to put it together. Another was called, uh, it was a Mantak Chia book. And maybe you guys know about Mantak Chia. He's, he's an amazing guy. Uh, and it was called Chi Self Massage. And it was about uh, massaging yourself and sending energy into yourself. So something like massage meets Reiki, but with touch. And the whole idea behind this was if you wanted to send energy to different parts of the body, it all depended on how you squeezed your anus. So I learned from this book, you can squeeze your anus in five directions. You can squeeze it to the front, to the back, to the left, to the side and up to the middle. And I can see from the look on your faces, you're both trying right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> both like, oh, yeah. you can, yeah, you the can. The eyes follow. Like. <laughs> um, anyway, so there was a few books and then there was one that really was like, wow. And this was called The Heart of Yoga by TKV Deskchar. Uh, again, maybe I don't pronounce it properly. Um, but The Heart of Yoga, it was essentially a commentary on a book or a scripture known as the Yoga Sutra. 
the yoga sutra is somehow like the bible of yoga um it's a it was a compilation of different yoga teachings put together in a very clear and understandable way uh between 1500 and 2500 years ago um by some great sage in india known as uh, patanjali um <clears throat> it's a very short book especially by today's standards something like 196 197 sentences but from this 197 sentences that could fit on two pages like encyclopedias have been written different commentaries and different ways to understand uh the yoga sutra sutra uh means something like string uh similar to the english word of suture you know and and the idea is that these strings weave together great knowledge and they're somehow just very short precise sentences that are also open to be interpreted depending on the wisdom of the one who's reading it. um <clears throat> i won't go too much into this into the, the all the different uh, sentences within the book but anyway this uh, commentary was was a was a you know making clear some of the wisdom that was in this this yoga sutra and i was reading this on the train on my way to school in the morning and when i started reading this i was like wow it this book really clearly uh, describes so many very valuable things in life you know what uh, how our mind is working what causes our mind to get disturbed what keeps our body healthy what makes us sick um what makes us angry how to have a peaceful mind how to have a peaceful life and me i got so passionate you know i've been going to school for so many years filling my brain with with numbers and calculations and formulas and words and grammar and this and that and so much information that really was not benefiting me at all to enjoy my life and so clearly 2000 years ago it was put into a book of 190 some sentences you know and i was i was really like why we don't learn this stuff in school you know and i realized we are taught about like we are taught a lot of things but it's information it's information that fills the mind and it can be very nice can spawn some creativity nothing wrong with some of the stuff we learn in school but before we learn all of this we should learn the essentials nobody teaches us what we need every day who taught you how to breathe nobody but breathing is something we do every moment and most people are not breathing properly you need to breathe into your belly long slow steady you need to understand that depending on how breathing is really affecting the way your mind is processing information the way your heart is beating your blood pressure your heart rate all of this by changing your breath you can change your entire experience of life nobody teaches you that and most people breathe really not very well who taught you how to eat nobody taught you taught me how to eat you know they put the food on the plate and you eat but you know there's especially maybe not so much in yoga but in ayurveda it's is very clear that there are different types of food there are different types of people and depending on your constitution you should be eating a different diet doing different activities and that's going to be either conducive or it's going to work against you and we have all these crazy fad diets come out like oh you shouldn't have carbs or you shouldn't have fat and we break all of 
this infinitely complex uh, subject of food and nutrition down into these three macronutrients. And it's, it's, it's really lacking. Uh, and there's so much more. So this I got really passionate about. Also, <clears throat> nobody teaches us how to talk, how to actually have a conversation. We learn words, we learn grammar, but no, nobody teaches you how to communicate with someone in a way where you're not making them feel bad, where you're not casting blame, where you're not misunderstanding each other. And all of this is, is you know, coming within, I found all of this through yoga. It's true, there's different form, uh, systems of psychology, and psychotherapy, and they go into this, but I found it through yoga. So I got really passionate about this. Or how to walk. Who taught you how to walk? As well, how to use this body. It's the most complex piece of technology on the planet and nobody teaches you how to use it. But people for thousands of years have been working with it and figuring out how to move the body properly, how to control our energy, how to work with emotions, thoughts, insight. I think these should be the essential handbook that you get as a child. I don't think it should be Pythagorean theorem, A squared plus B squared is C squared. You know, the, me at one point I was memorizing the periodic table. It's great, there's nothing wrong with it. But if I can't understand my own emotions, what does mm -hmm. it matter if I understand this inert material around me? Yeah. yeah. You, you can see I'm still passionate about it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, so it was reading this book, the, the Heart of Yoga, on my way to school that I realized, wow, there is something more to this yoga than these uh, choreographed dance moves that I'm doing in this class. And I really wanted to, to go deeper into this. Or I was inspired. I didn't actively seek it out. That's, uh, that's not true. I, I, I didn't like look for a guru or a teacher. I did some reading. I ended up reading another book that was like, wow, it was called the Tao of Physics um, by, and I'm gonna butcher this name, Fritjof or something. Um, the Tao of Physics though. And it, this was a comparison between the newer discoveries that we've made in, in science, in, in particle physics and quantum mechanics, uh, string theory, etc., to the teachings of the Eastern philosophies, traditions, mysticisms, like uh, Confucianism, Hinduism, Buddhism. And it was astounding how much similarities there were. You know, it was taking quotes by um, Heisenberg, for example. I don't remember any of the quotes, don't ask me. But I remember there was quotes from Heisenberg that were exactly, almost word for word, the same things that Confucius was saying. You know, or quotes from Einstein that were the exact same as what Buddha discovered. And I realized, man, we spent so much time smashing particles together underground at the speed of light to figure out something that was already figured out 2,000 years ago by a guy just sitting and looking inside his own being. You know, like this was, and I was like, because I was raised in a very Christian home. So when I was younger, I was very put off by spirituality. To me, spirits were, were ghosts, and it was all a bunch of hoo-ha. I, I don't know. It was very, because it was, anyway, I had my, my reasons uh, uh, to be against this. At one point, I even would have classified myself as atheist. But uh, through yoga and, and tantra and personal investigation, I, I'm, I'm filled with faith. 
and filled with uh, this deep understanding of some universal essence. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's, I, I, I live a life of surrender now. I, I, I really do. I'm, I'm like this kind of, it's amazing how much has changed my life in this, in this aspect. Um, I've gone off topic. So yes, so I read this book and then uh, I went on with my life at the Tao of Physics, coming back. Also, while I was going to school in college, I was introduced to the secret. Someone told, actually, it was the same girl that introduced me to yoga. She kept talking about the secret, the secret. She's like, I met you because of the secret. And I didn't know what she meant. It was just all like things. But I remember after we broke up, I got this book. Someone gave it to me, completely random. I was at a friend's house. He was on his table. I was like, oh, what's this? And he's like, oh, take it. And it was this, the secret book. Um, so I saw the book before the movie, found out later they're actually exactly the same. But The Secret was a really popular book two years ago, and it's, it's based on the law of attraction, um, saying that kind of we have the power within us to attract that which we focus on. And somehow, I mean, it's, it's so obvious, and, and we were, we've been taught it our whole lives, ever since I was a little kid, yeah, you can do anything you focus your mind on. You know, just set your mind to it, and you can do it. And it's just like, oh, yeah, okay, you have to say that because you're a teacher. But no, it's true. Really, anything you want to achieve in this life, if you focus and you dedicate and you mm -hmm. believe and you put some effort in, it can happen. Really, we have this. We are gods. We have the potential to create and manipulate and manifest whatever we want with this gift we've been given. Um, so I was reading this book and I was really inspired and I really, like, I got into a full power. The, the idea was, you know, keep your mind focused on something and also stay positive because positive vibration is more powerful than a low vibration. It's a more high vibration. Um, so there was a part of practice, which was a, now I understand it as an awareness practice. I didn't do any meditation back then. To me, yoga was just this uh, exercise kind of thing. But this somehow became an awareness practice because the idea was as long as I stay in a positive mood, I can attract things to me. So the awareness was notice when the mind starts plummeting. You notice when the emotions start coming down and do something to lift yourself back up. So me, I had a few things that I would use whenever I started to kind of go down. Um, I would bring to mind this, there was one space where I used to go biking. I used to go cycling uh, in Canada to the... the the bushes um, down by this little creek and near the, the end of this creek, it, it kind of opened up a little bit and there was this giant tree um, with a branch going over the creek and a, a, and a rope hanging down and you could kind of swing on this rope or we would climb up and sit at the top of the tree. Anyway, it's such peaceful moments here, the little, very narrow, maybe one meter wide creek and the sound of the water. And I just, something about this place, I felt so like not a care in the world. So if I noticed I was slipping, I would go back to this place. I would just picture my bike ride and ending up here. Uh, I had uh, two songs also that were really helpful. I call these, the book called them secret shifters. You know, shift yourself into this high vibration. Um, uh, one of the songs was uh, What a Wonderful World. You know, I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. I'm not a singer, but uh, this, uh, 
really going into the words of this song, you know, and really feeling what was trying to be conveyed from the song really brought me like, wow, this life is wonderful. You know, there is amazement, even if I feel shitty, even if I'm angry, even if I'm crying, all of these are signs that I'm alive, that I'm vibrating, that I'm still partaking in this gift and it's wonderful. So this song would remind me of that. And there was one other song was the, um, fairy tales can come true. It can happen to you if you're young at heart. You know, and, and going into this as well, I was like, yeah, you know what? As long as I just stay joyful and appreciative. And it's not just understanding it, I experienced it. You know, I would use this practice to enhance my life somehow. And also I had this amazing understanding in the back of my mind that even if it's all bullshit, sorry, is that inappropriate for the, the podcast? No. no. Okay. <laughs> so even if it's all bullshit, I'm still working to make myself happy. So even if it's not manifesting my dreams, I'm still enjoying this moment more. So it's a win-win. Even if the system is not magic, I'm still happy. <laughs> um, but I, I work with it and I, I, I play with it and I really notice coincidences. You know, and you know, there's a saying, this is how God speaks to you, is through coincidences. And uh, I really felt this. And there was one big moment, I think maybe I told you guys last time we spoke, but uh, where it was really like a firm, wow, boom, I believe this. Uh, I was moving, I was going out of town to, no, I was moving, I was going out of town to live with my cousin few hours away. I was in Calgary and he was in Abbotsford and that's like, uh, it's 11 hour uh, apart, which in Canada somehow is still kind of close. I know for, for the Europeans, 11 hour drive is forever. <laughs> it's a couple countries in some cases, but um, I, yeah, I was getting on the bus and I think I was getting on the bus at 4.30 in the morning. So I had my mom drive me down to the bus station and they didn't buy the ticket the night before. I don't know why. But for, I looked at it and I was like, I don't need to buy the ticket. It'll be there in the morning. I was just, uh, and uh, we got there in the morning and we got up to the ticket counter and the lady said, oh, sorry, sir, the bus is sold out. And I was like, no, when's the next bus? It was something like uh, 10 or 11. So like four or five hours later. So that means my mom's going to drive me home. You know, wait at home and drive me back. It's like, no, that's a headache. It feels so bad because it's not close. Calgary is a big city too. So it's it's almost an hour to drive across the city for this. So I felt uh, like, man. But I was like, no, the secret. I was like, so I asked, I was like, is there any other option? She's like, well, uh, you can just wait until the bus is, is about to leave and see maybe someone doesn't show up and then you can take their seat. So I looked at my mom, I said, don't worry, mom, I'm getting on that bus. And she's like, it means I got to sit here for half an hour with you. So she stayed there and she kind of uh, festered in her discomfort of being up at 4, 4.30 in the morning. And me, I sat there with the biggest smile on my face, like it's Christmas, you know? And I was like, I'm getting on that bus. I was like, and I, I was picturing it. I'm picturing myself sitting on the bus, smiling and looking out the window. And I was like, I just kept saying in my head, one seat, one seat. There's going to be one seat, one seat. Smile on my face, one seat. I know it's happening. This is the secret of the secret, is that you actually have to know it. 
whenever you know something, it happens. It's like, that's like the law. And, and you know it for sure, because you, you've had this intuition, like, I know it's not going to work out. And it doesn't, you know. So if you really know it, so I sat there, I'm, I'm one seat, one seat, one seat. And then it got time that the bus was loading. And there was two lines. One line was for the VIP. I guess they paid more, I don't know. And then one line was the, the regular. It, it was just, anyway, it was all the same seats. I don't know why there was two lines. Anyway, this one lady was at the front of the line. She was an older lady. Uh, and she's, she's going to be the first one on the bus. And she steps up to walk on the bus. And they look at her ticket and they tell her, uh, you're in the wrong line, miss. You need to go to the other line. So she was supposed to be the first one on the bus and then she's got to go all the way back to the to the back of the second line. And they keep loading and me I'm sitting at one seat, one seat. And it's going, going, going. And you know, the heart starts beating a little bit because it's getting close. One seat, one seat. And it gets to that lady that's at the back of the line who was supposed to be the first one on the bus. And she starts to scream, what do you mean they oversold the bus? They had oversold the bus by one seat. I don't even know how that happens. Do not the computer systems know exactly how many seats are on the bus? Anyway, they had oversold the bus by one seat. And because of this, because this lady already had her ticket and her trip plan, they had to pay for a taxi to take her from Calgary to Banff, the next city. So I got to ride in that taxi with her and get on the bus at the next place. And I was like, you know what? It's because I wasn't specific. I was just saying one seat. I wasn't mm -hmm. saying one seat empty. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really like... You know, and I, I just, a lot of faith come from this too, mm. because I, I, I seen it, I seen it happen. Um, and how, how do you combine the two? How do you, how have you brought these two together, the yoga practice and this understanding of, for example, the, the secret and the powers of creation? How has that worked together in you? <clears throat> you know, it's kind of funny because yoga somehow is a system of control at the beginning you know move the body in this way hold the body in this way control the mind to be like this um but me i i while i could consider myself a yogi i also really um follow maybe more the tantric tradition which is there's there's slight differences uh we don't need to get into them but I would say that I do my best and I, I, I really keep my intention focused like a, like a yogi and, you know, working to where I want to go. But at the same time, I also come with a lot of surrender. And even when shit is not going my way, which is often, it's not always like it's amazing <laughs> for anyone. But when it comes like that, I, I, I really bring to mind this understanding that there's something I need to go through. You know, there's a lesson that needs to be learned. I still suffer, you know, but when you know that it's for something, maybe you suffer a couple percent less, you know, and this is the idea behind uh, yoga and tantra and all of these different words for whatever it is that I, I believe is that We're here to learn something, you know, we're here to grow, we're here to evolve. And this is what I truly believe deep inside, you know, uh, everyone's here for something different, you know, but I think in the end, from a very high space of consciousness, it's very clear to me that that end is evolution. You know, 
we can say returning back to the universe, uh, mm. returning to divine absolute consciousness. Um, so while being the yogi and committing and we're putting in this effort to do my practice and all of this, at the same time, it's all about accepting and understanding that no matter how much control I try to convince myself I have, I don't have any, hmm. you know, and, and, and really it, it takes a lot of faith to get out of bed every day because I could get out of bed and it'd be finished, you know, but still I do it. Uh, and somehow that awareness can be very scary, but can also be very um, nurturing, you know, feeling loved and cared for every day because every day I get to eat, every day I get to breathe, every day I get to exchange information with someone. These are all gifts. Um, so also a big part of my practice is gratitude. Um, because also I've, I, I've had moments where I've dealt with a lot of depression, uh, especially when I was younger and before I got so solidified on this yogic path. There was a lot of times of, of big struggling and big depression. And what really helped me was, was gratitude, um, really trying to appreciate little things. And this is part of the secret too. When you appreciate something, when you say thank you for it, you automatically tell your mind that uh, you convince yourself it's a gift and it's a blessing and you feel good, high vibration, you attract more of that. I don't know if you've ever had an employee or a friend helping you to do anything, but uh, if you tell them, eh, you didn't do that very good, they're not going to do it very good next time, or they're going to do it with resentment. But if you say, I really like how you did that. I really like how you did that. Thank you. Thank you. Someone tells you thank you for something you did. Ah, I'd like to do that for you again. Someone says, hey, next time, can you do it like this? Mm -hmm. I'll do it again, but not with joy in my heart. Mm -hmm. you know, all of the life is like this. When we appreciate and when we express our gratitude and it's, I don't know, it changes something in us or it changes something in the world. There's not really a difference. You yeah. know, the, the result is the same. More good is coming. So to get back to my story, the reason I brought up the secret was because I was, I was into this secret and uh, I had been going to college studying this chemistry and I finished uh, I ended up getting a job in a lab, working in, in, a, in a laboratory, doing a chemical analysis, um, working for a solvent analyzing slash petroleum company. Um, and I didn't like it. <laughs> I, I really loved the schooling that I took because at the time it was really, I, I was, I was really enjoying to understand the workings of the world around me, how these things are interacting and, and creating something new and, it was very fascinating, but, but I went from receiving so much knowledge and it funneled down to me doing the most monotonous task that a robot could do. I'd come into work and there was a big long table of like 200 samples of uh, mostly glycols, which are used for cooling, you know, like the, the, the coolant in your car's radiator, but they're also used for dehydration. So they pull uh, water out of the gas mixtures. Anyway. I had to analyze these samples for different things. There was about seven different tests that I would run on these samples. I'd go in one day, I'd grab the first 50 samples and I'd run four tests on them. I'd go back the next day, I'd grab the same 50 samples and I'd run the remaining three tests on them. And then I'd go back 
the third day and I repeat that process for the next 50 samples and so on and so on. And uh, it was a small lab. I worked with two other people. They weren't bad people, but they were not very joyous. I had to wear these uh, gloves, the white lab coat, the goggles, everything, because I'm working with poison every day. Um, fluorescent lights, no windows. The only fresh air is inside the fume hood, which is like a vacuum that sucks away the poisonous vapors. <laughs> uh, so I was not, I didn't feel fulfilled. And I was actually working this job in the middle of my schooling. We had like kind of this break for a work experience uh, kind of program. And then we went back to school for the last uh, semester. And I realized I didn't want to go back to do this job, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. <clears throat> but I was really into the secret. And I was like, I don't need to know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be happy. <laughs> and life is going to give me what I need. Life is really going to give me what, what is right for me. And uh, me and my best friend, uh, one of my best friends, his name's Robbie. He went, we went to school together. And when we graduated for a gift, we gave ourselves uh, a trip to Thailand. We decided to come for this one month tour around Thailand. So it was like super active, you know, two nights here, three nights there, two nights there, four nights there, a lot of drinking, uh, party kind of thing like most people do when they first come to Thailand. It was amazing. Um, and while I was there, at one point, I was doing some yoga on the beach. And one of the girls, she was one of the tour guides. She said, oh, you like yoga? There's this uh, yoga retreat in Cambodia you should check out. I go, oh, interesting. It was in the back of my mind. And we finished the, the tour for one month and then I ended up back in Canada. And I'd come from one month in Thailand, like uh, 30 plus weather, sunshine, beaches, uh, parties, with the same 20 some people every day that I really grew to love. It was like the most stimulating, adventurous time of my life. And I went from that amount of fun and stimulation to living in my grandmother's basement in Canada, 12 degrees and raining. Uh, and I was very depressed. I'd been living with my grandmother while I went to college. Uh, it, was a, it was a very good uh, symbiotic relationship. I helped her out with household stuff. She housed me and, and fed me and I got to go to college affordable. Um, but it was time to move out because I was done college. And uh, rent in Calgary is not very cheap. And I looked at it, so I got online because I was depressed. And I thought this, it popped up, this yoga retreat in Cambodia. I didn't even know what Cambodia was. I didn't even know what Thailand was. Before I went to Thailand, I thought it was going to be like desert and like tiki huts or something. I was so ignorant that I, I had no idea what it was going And I got there, I was like, wow, Thailand is tropical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it, in Canada, we don't learn much about the rest of the world. Or at least I didn't. I didn't. Um, so I, I was, well, I had no idea what Cambodia was going to be like, but I looked online and they had this program at the time where if you stay two months at this yoga retreat, you could stay longer in some sort of volunteer program for free. So I worked it out. I was, I could stay there for six months for cheaper than it would cost me one month rent in Canada. Go to Cambodia. So I, I, uh, I booked in with them. I contacted them. And uh, I bought my plane ticket and a couple months later, I, I flew to Cambodia and I planned to go for six months and come home. But my friends were like, are you, you going to come back? And I made a joke. I was like, 
longest I'll say is two years. And they were like, oof, you know, it was kind of very ridiculous uh, at the time. It's been over seven years now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, I I went there and I was so blessed to the two teachers that were running this yoga retreat, or that were the main teachers. They weren't running it, but uh, were amazing. And I still consider them my teachers. Was this Israeli couple? Uh, and they knew, they were able to give me the yoga that I was looking for. The type of yoga that I'd read about in this heart of yoga, and they, they brought it all to me. Uh, there's so many different streams of yoga. There's uh, what most people do is called Hatha yoga. Hatha yoga is the yoga of the body, balancing the yin and yang energies. Um, but there's other yoga, uh, bhakti yoga is the yoga of devotion. You know, doing things out of worship, which somehow is a little bit what the secret is, you know, really doing this for love and, and not exactly. But uh, there's jnana yoga, which is the yoga of, of knowledge and questioning and trying to understand things around us. And, and uh, they gave me one practice from jnana yoga that uh, shattered my reality completely. It was everything together. I did a lot. All of a sudden, I went from, you know, completely sober into this yoga retreat Um, and was very intense and I had a lot of things shift and a lot of realizations you know a lot of us or I speak just for myself I was so caught up in my life and the way it was going or the way it had been laid out for me that I never was even able to step back and look at some things. I realized I had lots of pain inside. I had lots of anger, lots of sadness, lots of frustration, lots of disappointment, shame, insecurities, like, boom. But I never had this time to just sit and look at it because in, in the West or my lifestyle in Canada was so busy. I think many people's lifestyle is so busy. Um, so I had a big breakdown. And uh, one of the practices that they gave me was uh, a practice that I, I would say is coming from Jnana Yoga. And it was just asking this very simple question, who am I? Mm-hmm. Who am I? And I took this up as a practice. And my teacher said, you know, you just, you just ask it. You don't have to look for an answer. You know, but of course. And I realized that when we start, when, we first, when I first asked this, and I, I, I know from many people is very similar we usually start very <laughs> like i started this interview <laughs> you said who are you and i said i'm andrew i'm 31 I'm from <laughs> it doesn't mean nothing it doesn't mean a single thing about who i am as a person as a being um <clears throat> because i'm sure you've met another andrew in your life probably even in greece where you guys are now there's someone down the road named andrew <laughs> <You know? laughs> Uh, you know, now I'm 31 at the time I was 23, you know, so that's, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, but this is very, you know, and then you keep asking, I keep asking, who am I? Who am I? Okay. You know, I'm, uh, I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm, uh, but I wasn't always a brother because my sister's younger than me. I won't always be a son because probably I will outlive my mother if this, the situation goes as it normally does statistically. Uh, doesn't mean I won't still be her baby boy, but you, you get my understanding. Yeah. Um, we can start to identify ourselves with 
uh, some maybe accomplishments. You know, I studied chemistry. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a, I'm a nice guy. You know, or I have our possessions. I have this home. I have this job. I have this relationship. I have this amazing car in the driveway that I paid a lot of money for, you know. And the thing with all of these things, when we define ourselves by these things, these things are temporary. These things are temporary. None of these things will stick around. Your age is going to change every second your age is changing. Maybe now there's this biological hacking and another topic. Um, <laughs> your relationships are constantly changing. You know, how many people go through a breakup or a divorce or a, a loss and they're shattered because they're so identified with the relationship. Yeah. Uh, all your possessions are temporary. Your house can burn down. Your car can get stolen. Your body. How many of us identify ourselves with our body? You know, oh, this is my body and it's, it's young and it's flexible and I can do so much with it. And then if something happens, I'm completely destroyed because my body is not what it was before. You know, how many people starve themselves or binge or spend a bajillion hours at the gym to try to, you know, mold this thing into because it's so identified. Um, this one practice, just saying, who am I, actually made me so much more comfortable with my body. You can't imagine. Just ask this question, who am I, who am I? Realize this body is changing every moment. It's not who I am. All of a sudden, I'm very comfortable to be undressed or, or you know, it's, I'm more comfortable with my own skin from this question. The big one that we get identified with is our, our mind and our personality. Um, you know, who, who, who am I? I'm, I'm, I'm smart, I'm funny, I'm charming, I'm a nice guy that people enjoy to, to communicate with. But if I have a bad day and I'm not that person, then I, 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 I scream at someone or I, I lock myself in the bedroom and then, you know, and then I really suffer because I'm not fulfilling this expectation that I'm this mm. nice, friendly, communicative yeah. guy. Yeah. Or our mind. Do you like cake? Do you like ice cream? Eat three pounds of cake and tell me if you still like cake. <laughs> you know, the mind is changing all the time. Uh, so anyway, I took up a very serious yoga practice. Uh, I was doing many hours of yoga a day because the class was at least three hours a day. There was 90 minutes in the morning, 90 minutes in the afternoon, um, plus some chanting or meditation. Uh, and me, of course, I was full power and I was doing my own practice before the classes. You know, so I was doing at least an extra hour every day and I was full on into it. Uh, I also did a Reiki course, and this is what really got me. This is where I first started learning about chakras, energy, and subtle qualities of life. And it, now we got to talk about this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> when I first, do we have a time limit, just so I, I'm aware? Another 10 minutes, another 10, 15 minutes, yeah. I mean, there's normally okay. a, a flow, and it feels, you know, there's a, we feel when it ends. It's often around an okay. hour, but, okay. you know, well, yeah. So now, I mean, you guys did the, the Uriana Banda tapas. And yeah. You know, I, I talk about energy. If you've done any of my other, my other classes, I talk about energy all the time. I talk yeah. about chakras all the time. When I first got here and someone said, feel this chakra, I was like, what are you talking about? You know, you can't speak about these things with such conviction. It's like a theory at best. You know, my very 
scientific mind structure from my education said like this is a bunch of hooey. Um, hooey is a granny, what is he working Hooey. It's bullshit, a bunch of bullshit. Um, but now I've had so many experiences and so many practices, I can speak about these things mm -hmm. with conviction. And mm -hmm. I still understand that they are just a tool and just a system and they are not by any means law or the, the ultimate truth. But working with chakras and energy for me provides an excellent map as well as a language to communicate uh, different experiences with myself and with my students. Um, so this was when I first started that was when I did this Reiki course. Anyways, all these things together, the many hours of yoga, the, the different working with energies and this question, who am I? Who am I? At one point, I really felt like the ground shattered out from underneath me. And all of a sudden I felt alone. I felt broken. I didn't know who I was. That's what I realized from this question. I didn't know why I was here, what I wanted in life. I realized that I had never even been asked, what do you want in this life? You know, it had been kind of expected that you, you're, you're born, you have a family, you're a child, you go to school, you finish school, you go to high school, you finish that, you go to university or college, you graduate, maybe you do some more school, you get the job, that's where I was headed. But I was never given the opportunity to step back and say, is that what I want? Yeah. Does that actually resonate with you? Um, and because of this, I felt so... Going back there even, I feel like uh, shivers and goosebumps through mm -hmm. my body because I really, I had no idea who I was or what I wanted. And it was really, I was, I was crumbled. And I was vulnerable and I was scared and I was angry. But from that experience... And it wasn't the only one. Unfortunately, I've gone through this a couple of times. But from that complete unearthing experience, there was this moment, this opportunity to kind of reconstruct myself. And this is what I understand now is a spiritual awakening. Mm, you know, yeah. this realization you don't know who you are. Yeah. Um, and somehow, you know, I, I know what happens to lots of people and lots of people have this spiritual awakening and we call it midlife crisis. And somehow I had my first midlife crisis at 23 and uh, it was very painful. And I'm so grateful, so thankful because it, it's, you know, it brought me to this point now where I still don't know who I am, but I know that I don't know who I am. <laughs> You know? <laughs> mm. And somehow that's comforting because I can recreate myself every day mm. or I, I can walk into this world knowing that other people don't know who they are. Yeah. You know, and that can bring compassion and understanding. And I think that's yeah. what also makes me can help me as a teacher. Yeah. Is this understanding linked to, or this, um, this awareness that you don't know who you are? It's all of this. So how is it linked to the, the name you, you have for your, your channel, We Feel? I just sense that there's a connection there. No, actually, it's, uh, this, was my wife's, uh, this was my wife's name. She, she okay. came up with it before we were together. Actually, my first um, name was Renew. Mm. I was calling it Renew Yoga. Mm -hmm. And my name's Andrew, so the slogan was Renew with Drew. Um, <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, it was very interesting that when we came together, hers was refill, and I, mm. I like it. They're both yeah. they're both um, saying something to a, a similar thing. Yeah, you know, exactly. That we we need to relearn. You know, we need to rebuild and and refill into ourselves. I love the refill now, especially yeah. because a lot of what I'm doing with, especially lately, is not starting here and thinking about it. Because I really realize we can think about things forever, but they don't really make much change. Yeah. You know, so if we go into the emotions, we're getting deeper. You know, if we start to listen to our emotions instead of our mind, emotions have a lot more to teach us. But even those are, are more complex than the body. When we can go into the body, when we can feel our, our nervous system and, and really understand what's going on there, then we can really be aware of what's going on with us moment to moment. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, this, is, this is a lot of what I'm focusing on now outside of yoga is, is working with going from very complex to trying to go uh, more subtle and more gross. And if you do any of my classes, I, I kind of, I teach a class in the opposite way. You know, we'll do a pose and I'll come out and I'll say, okay, now feel the body. Feel any changes in, in the legs and arms, and then I'll say, okay, now feel the energy. Yeah. Uh, feel the vibrations and the tingles, and then notice if any emotions are coming. You know, maybe there's sadness. Maybe maybe it's very subtle. Maybe it's just a little like ah, hmm. but whatever's there. And then maybe there's some thoughts coming from there. So we go from complex to uh, simple. We also go from gross to subtle. Mm. You know, so it's there, there's so many amazing layers to this this being that we're inhabiting i want to just ask you what your what, what's your reason for teaching yoga it helped me it uh, transformed my experience uh, my my teachers i mentioned uh, the names are kobe and physique and they gifted me so much and all i want to do is maybe give that to someone else mm. Because uh, it, it, I'm, I'm a completely different person than I was 10 years ago. You know, and I, I have a completely more comfort in this life, more peace in my mind. It doesn't mean I'm always happy and the life is always good. It means that there is some peace in my mind. And uh, yeah, pay it forward, essentially. Mm. It's natural to me too. I, I, I can speak, you know, so it's, it's, Thank you, God. It's something that I enjoy and it's something that I'm naturally somewhat uh, capable of. Yeah. So how do people find you? What's the best way for people to, to get in touch with you or to <clears throat> look at your videos? So the videos, uh, right now, all my videos are on YouTube. Uh, the, the specific channel is youtube.com slash C slash Refill Yoga. But if you go to YouTube and you type in Refill Yoga, you'll find my little um, heart with the evolution symbol above it kind of symbol. It's not a penis. Some people think it looks like a penis. It's not a penis. <laughs> um, we have a website as well. It's a little bit outdated at the moment. Um, my wife and I have not really gone into the learning how to do this. So we had some friends constructed for us. Um, but it's because of that, we haven't much up but that's refillyoga.com uh, and this is where you can find uh, information about the workshops that we offer different uh, travel workshops smaller workshops uh, bigger retreats uh, this kind of thing also we're on patreon uh, this has kind of been helping me especially in these times of 
quarantine and, and not doing much is I've, I've expanded uh, and I've turned a lot more to online. It's, it's new. The online thing for me is new. I started the channel one year ago, but it was just a little bit of a hobby. But in these yeah. last two months, it's... Uh, and I really see going online is is going to be not the only way because we love to be with people. We love to touch people. It's important. Uh, and there's a certain resonance that comes when you're in a room full of people all focusing on the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's patreon.com slash refill yoga. And here uh, as, a, as a gift for people who, who become our patrons, I, uh, I offer some different advanced practices. Um, going more deep into the chakras. Uh, I also do special requests. I have some people requesting different classes or someone requesting an advanced pranayama sequence. So I did a full class of advanced pranayama. Super powerful. Uh, if you guys want to check it out. Um, so that's another thing. Uh, my wife does some stuff on Instagram. Personally, I'm not a big fan of Instagram, but we also have, I think it's refill.yoga. You can find nice pictures of us and, and some, some posts, these kind of things. Me, I do YouTube. I like the YouTube. Yeah. We also have Facebook, Refill Yoga on, on Facebook. It's all Refill Yoga. Yeah. Uh, if someone wants to reach out by email, uh, it's refillyoga at gmail.com. And if someone is looking for some sort of private guidance or you know some sort of online classes uh, one-to-one or want me to maybe make some personalized class or video for them, uh, then they can reach out to me on refill one on one at gmail.com. And those ones are numbers. Number yeah. one on number one. One on one. Okay, great. And we'll make sure that also the the link to the uh, the 10 day challenge, all of these links. Yes. And also the link to the 10 day <laughs> challenge is somewhere around the video and the podcast, the the podcast site so people can access that. Um, there's one thing I wanted to kind of maybe close with which and I feel this has been the overarching kind of theme of this whole conversation, which was just kind of backtracking a tiny bit to a minute ago when you shared about you know, making this big complex thing as simple as possible. And that's what we started with. And it's something really nice to, to end with, I feel. And that's something that um, in, in, these, in these podcasts, of course, as the, the top level of we're speaking about you and your work, but there's always like this underarching theme that emerges. And for me, this has been the theme of what you've, you've brought to us today which is the power of you know of practice but also of you know eventually kind of integrating embodying all of this wisdom and know-how and then and be able to present it in a way that is simple and and pure so that's really beautiful yeah thank you thank you yeah no yeah, that's been a really profound conversation, Andrew. Thank you. Really lovely to connect with you. And uh, we'll do more of your classes for sure. <laughs> and hope to meet you in person one day for sure. Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your journey. And yes, I look forward to uh, yeah, maybe hearing about the next evolution of the journey at some point with you as it unfolds. Mm-hmm.